Hey, welcome back to the uh, the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I am I'm really happy to have John Nuzikai here with me today. John is a founding partner in a company called Aero, but he's got a great aviation background from Honeywell, uh, Aspen Avionics, for which he was the uh, the founder, uh, Nordam, and uh, and now with Aero. We're just talk about kind of what they're doing with small and middle market aviation companies, where they see the future, to which they're going to play a big part. Man, have a great, just a great conversation. So thanks for coming on today, John. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Craig. It's really an honor to be here and it's uh, good to get caught up on things. I'm excited about the industry, obviously, and uh, it's just a pleasure to be here. So you're like an avionics guru. You're the, <laughs> you're the, you're the man uh, in avionics. You're one of yeah, the man in, yeah. the man in avionics. Yeah, I've been in avionics now since really since 1981. Uh, the only time I really spent two years outside of aviation or avionics was spent a couple of years doing engineering uh, in Honeywell's industrial automation control. And even that, when I look at how an auto refinery runs, not that much different than an inner outer loop of an autopilot. So I've never really been away from aviation. It's uh, it's funny because you see the E2 Hawkeye on the wall in the, in, behind my head. Sure. And back in the early 90s, it was, there were was steam gauges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, six pack and steam gauges. And then I remember getting to Gulfstream and seeing the first SPZ 8400 avionics. I thought, oh, yeah. my God, we're at a new planet. I always joke that I started my career out on the 767. It was my first couple of years working on the 767, 757 cockpit. And I always joke that when I, I bought a Diamond aircraft in 2009 and flew it and outfitted with Aspen Avionics and, you know, Avidyne Navigator, the whole business. And that little Diamond had more capability than that. 767 in 1981. And it's always oh, yeah. amazing to me that to see that kind of, you know, I would never have dreamed in 81 I'd be flying a small airplane with more capability than what's in a 767. Yeah, our, our mission computer on the Hawkeye was probably you know, a thousand or two thousand pounds. Yeah, and oh, yeah, yeah you got more, you get more, much more capability in your iPhone now. So, but it's yeah. it's fun to see how far the, the industry is has come and how much you've been a part of it. Yeah, it's it's uh, cool and it's fun. And obviously everybody who goes through their careers has gets the chance to see the technology advancement. But I do believe in in the time, you know, since the 80s, the advance of technology, not just electronics, but and you think about the iPad, it's just, you know, from really it was introduced in a cockpit in 2012-ish. And you see where it is now that everybody flies with one or some sort of, uh, you know, some sort of platform to have to have those okay. apps on. It's, it's really, truly amazing. Just the electronic flight bags, et cetera. It's, uh, it's, it really is. Yeah, let's let's shift gears. Let's talk about Aero a little bit before we came on. Um, obviously, you've got you know, Raytheon Technologies and the, you know, the the Rockwell Collins of the world out there and the Honeywells and your, your big A&D companies. And you guys have come up with a, a good concept to take highly capable small and middle market companies and put them together to, to build a platform. Yeah. Is that pretty accurate yeah, I mean, way of putting it? Yeah, and it's really uh, it's exactly how you said. I mean, you, you, when you look at at the at the aerospace and the A and D market space, you've got a very, bunch of very large players, and you got a bunch of medium to small players. And um, and when you look at it, um, the the industry is kind of ripe for some sort of consolidation, finding the right group of companies to really go and uh, exploit the new technologies that are coming into our space. And that's kind of was the birth of Arrow. I mean, we looked at. At the at the availability of smaller companies to to merge to provide enough mass to be competitive with the larger companies while still retaining the small company innovation entrepreneurship and nimbleness that was kind of the birth of the idea 
with the underlying markets being the drone and eVTO markets, which are really the new frontier for aviation and is literally changing how we look at at uh, at flying at aviation and uh, development. I mean, it's just a new space. I mean, we're having to develop in many cases, new certification procedures for these types of vehicles. And, and we still haven't really created the, the air traffic environment for drones. You know, we, a lot, there's a lot of terminology around that, but integrating drones and EV tolls and the numbers into our traffic control system is also going to be a challenge. And mm -hmm. so we kind of put that, those thoughts together and found a group of companies that in one sense complement each other, but also in that complement was able to exploit these new markets. And that was kind of the genesis of the idea of Arrow. And now we've progressed to merge with companies and in the process of uh, merging with a SPAC now to go public. So, um, and that's taken three to four years, but we've learned a lot along the way. We've weathered a lot of the ups and downs of the economy and the market, IPOs and SPACs and raising capital and all those things that are necessary to build a company which on one hand are a lot of fun, but on the other hand are very challenging. And so that's mm -hmm. where we find ourselves today is, is a company that's ready to fill that spot. Are you guys public now? Have you, have you, no, we, are in the, we, we announced a, a, a merger with a SPAC called Kernel. Um, mm -hmm. We're in the process of, of finalizing that process. You know, all the stuff that's public associated with that, we're looking to, you know, hopefully close by the third quarter of this year. Gotcha. Gotcha. And and obviously a little bit challenging times. You know, not oh, yeah. That, yeah, well, not no, that you've got not, not that you've got a lot going on, on the technical front too. We've got this uh this little economic, you know, the the uh, all the dust around the economic the economy right now, you know, blowing as well. But arrow is you said it was about five, yeah, avionics, uncrewed vehicles, EV tall training. You know, is the goal to integrate it all? Are you, yeah, are you trying so, to create an so. ecosphere where everything is a little bit integrated? Yeah, we we are. You know, we will have our own markets, and we'll always be focused on general aviation. You know, we're we you know we believe that market is a strong market to introduce new technologies into. Um, Aspen's been pretty successful in that market, and uh, we believe it's a strong place to do it. But in addition, obviously, when you look at avionics and its integration into the John Air Mobility eVTOL platform, you know, we'll be doing the cockpit for that particular vehicle, for example. And vice versa, all of the, uh, you know, the, the technologies that we are gaining and learning in eVTOL help us in the drone market space, electropropulsion, aerodynamics, those kinds of things. And then, of course, the tie into training, because you're going to have to train eVTOL pilots as well. But you also have to train pilots for, for mm -hmm. airlines or professional type of things. So we see a, a company that has these divisions that focus on specific markets, but integrated together provide a very powerful uh, ability to bring products faster and at a lower cost and mm -hmm. be more responsive to our customers. So we see it kind of a both thing. We see it in integration as well as as a focus on those individual markets. Gotcha. What's got you most excited right now? I mean, obviously, you know, electric propulsion is it's that's a big that's a big hill to climb to you know, a lot <laughs> yeah. of it's coming. Yeah. Other people are saying some high you know, hydrogen. I don't know. I'm not an engineer, so I don't really, yeah, look, I'm not, yeah, I could read about it all day long. That doesn't mean I necessarily understand it. What, what's got you really excited? You know, um, well, you know, I, I, I do think, I mean, when I look at the arrow and the market in general, it's the whole concept of trying to integrate technologies and processes and functions together to create uh, this ecosphere of, uh, of, 
electric mobility, I'll call it that. That would include drones as well as EV toll, as well as fixed wing electric, you know, type of uh, things. So whether it be propulsion, aerodynamics or electronics, you know, this is one of those times in our history of aviation that all of those disciplines are in the process of evolving. You know, a lot of times you mentioned, you know, we talked a little bit about back, you know, when the first Gulf Streams came out, you know, and things like that. And those aircraft are fixed wing aircraft where the technology in a lot of ways was the aerodynamics and the and the, uh, and the electronics in the aircraft or, or engines had history to them and it was an evolution. Right now we're seeing a, you know, uh, what I would call a more of a broader uh, approach towards all these different technologies happening all at once. And the, and the ability to integrate all those together safely and certify them mm-hmm. is this exciting time as I will go back to, and I don't want to go too far back, but the transition mm-hmm. from analog to digital. I mean, that was a huge thing in the 80s, right? I mean, yeah. big deal, right? I mean, you know, things like, you know, stack overflows and stuff like that weren't even in our language at that time. Mm-hmm. We're creating that now. We're creating that type of technology where a new language will create new types of technologies and will forever change aviation for the next 10 to 20 years until the next kind of mm-hmm. like revolution comes comes upon us. That's what's exciting to me because being part of that for a second time in my career is just fascinating. It's exciting. It's fun. P- people get engaged. It's fun to talk about and it's fun to be part of. And I mm-hmm. see that being the most exciting thing. The individual technologies will always be cool. I mean, yeah. they'll always be cool. Yeah, well, you look at, I mean, you just look at, you know, look, people are talking about avionics upgrades. You know, why should I, why should I upgrade my avionics? It takes 500 pounds of weight out of your airplane. Yeah. Big, yeah. big fuel, big fuel savings. You think about these yeah. big displays that we were putting in and now they're micro yeah, thin. It's a big deal. I mean, it, it, you know, you look at the display technology. I mean, and now, that, now we're taking vacuum pumps out. You know, think about that. Vacuum pumps are one of the big failure items in a small aircraft and, and, or one of the things that can really scare you in a flight, being a pilot, if I lose a vacuum pump and I start losing instruments, that all's gone now. We can replace it with electronic, you know, and with the backups and the and the and the redundancies that we have, the probability of putting a pilot into an untenable situation in the clouds is diminishing and will diminish further as you have connectivity starting to starting to rear up and allow you to back up even your onboard stuff, you know. Uh, you know, we see a lot of connectivity type stuff. We see the, you know, the advancement, you you know, we talked a little about Starlink or Iridium or anything like that that will give you the ability in the future to, in real time, you know, and see a problem and fix it in real time because you have access, more access to data. That is very exciting for everyone. And those are reasons why you want to upgrade your, your cockpits. You'll never take away the flying part. I mean, everybody loves to fly, right? I mean, that's the yeah. whether you're, you know, flying a cub or flying a, you know, an airliner, the flying part is always going to fun. The technology is not meant to replace it. The technologies are meant there to allow that to be more safe right. while still enjoying the flying portions of it. And sometimes we talk about why do I need to upgrade a cockpit? Well, that's why you want to improve your safety environment. I mean, I I got my pilot's license in 2009 and my uh, my I'm IFR rating 2011. I cannot imagine flying an approach in the clouds with round dials. I'm sorry, I just can't. I know there are people that can do that, and I just I'm amazed by them. But when I think about what you can do and how you can safely fly an approach now, 
it's mind-boggling, right? That's a mind-boggling difference in my mind. And I have an utmost amount of respect for a guy that could fly an ADF approach in clouds. Oh, well, attack him, or, or attack him with DME, right? And, no, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there you go. So, but you, what, what's got, so we got, yeah, the you, you mentioned a couple of things. You got Iridium, we got Starlink coming out. Yeah. We've got some people, you know, there's some companies out there that are really working air to ground, you know, the, yeah. uh, the ATG stuff, which is, you know, becoming pretty technical. How do you see this all? You know, let's let's move forward about twenty five or thirty years, provided the FAA could keep up. Do you see Do you see a new ecosphere being guided? You know, by you know, you know, you know let's get rid of all the VORs in the world and everything being you know, GPS type or or satellite satellite guided or yeah. How do you yeah? You know, but the, the integration of the EV tolls yeah. into New York I, City. How how do you see it all playing out? Well, I, I think it's going to be a, a mixture of a bunch of different technology. I think, um, by the way, I'm one of these few people that have faith in the FAA. I've seen so much. <laughs> I've seen them come from where they were previously to now. Um, and I do. I think the FAA is coming along. They have a very hard job to, to, yeah. to ensure safety. And they have to look at numbers and probabilities. And that creates what many of us in the industry might see us as slowing down. But I actually don't. I actually think that that cooperative uh, nature of the FAO. So when they come along, so they will always be the one that's going to be viewed as putting the brakes on on the stuff we do, because mm-hmm. we can push the limits pretty far. Even in the EV toll environment or the drone environment, you still have to look at the probabilities of failures and what those probabilities mm-hmm. are. What happens if it fails? You know, if you got a bunch of drones up flying around delivering stuff, for example, what happens if the system fails that is controlling it? Does, does all, all these drones fall out of the sky because there's no pilot flying them? You know, they got to deal with that. And that's cool technology. So that's where, where this ecosphere that you, you use a word for that allows you to control and integrate those different things in a safe way is, is the part that's going to really evolve. I mean, that's the part where 25 years from now, we're never going to take away a guy wanting to fly a, a Cub or a Cirrus or a, for whatever reason, business or pleasure. That's part of our culture, but we're going to build a system that allows those types of flyers to integrate in with precise flying by drones and by EV tolls that are that are doing specific missions. An EV toll mission from flying from downtown Chicago to O'Hare Airport to avoid traffic on a regular basis, to integrate in with an airline system that provides seamless transition for our for our for our customers. That's a that sounds easy, but that's a big deal because you got to now mm-hmm. these things are flying at certain altitudes. They're flying in traffic with with guys like me. They're flying a you know single engine pilot, and you got to do that. So you know ADSB was a big step, but I think it's just the beginning. Now you're going to have satellite based ADSB. You're going to have uh, not just not just position reporting, but data, directional information, showing information, and AI manners to anticipate what things are going to do. See and avoid technologies are going to evolve to the point where. You know, you'll have some sort of ability to not only show it on your screen in front of you, but show it on your windshield. Mm-hmm. Draw your circle up on the windshield. Says so that airplane that you see on your ADCB is sitting right up there. That's where it's coming from. Yep. So you get to see and avoid. That's the kind of stuff that I see happening over the next 25 years as connectivity improves, as computing power increases, as display technology evolves, and more importantly, the cost of propulsion and the the noise, the, the the you know the carbon footprints, all those things are all going to come together. That's going to be what, in in my view, in the next twenty five years, 
yep. was an exciting field by itself. Look, I you know, I like what's happening. You got some people out, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, the airline, the unmanned cockpit. I'm like, mm. You know, well, for part 121, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the FAA is not – look, and, and I'm with you. The FAA has done a great job. But if they're not going to back off 1,500 hours, they're not going to back off yeah, right. two, men, so, two, men, two, two men or women in the cockpit. Let's just – you know, yeah, yeah, it's not going to – you know. I, I agree with you, Greg. I don't see that. Not in my, not my lifetime. Not in my lifetime. But, yeah, you know, on the flip side, too. You, but on the flip side, from you know, Dallas to Amarillo, you know, yeah. on, a, you know, on a beach 1900 cargo flight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got yeah. You you see the the folks out there you know trying to fly the you know, working to fly the caravans, sure. Unmanned with some cargo on board. You know, do you, how far away do you think we are? Yeah, you know, between the the ecosphere that y'all are building and what they're they're building on their own. You know, are we ten years from that? Do you think? What? Uh, yeah. How close actually, are we? Yeah, you actually have a good point, Craig. Because I do think in the cargo world, in that type of application, let's say an application of uh, let's say. Uh, an airline or you know a FedEx UPS slash whatever freighter type of uh, cargo uh, operation flies into an international airport and the stuff's offloaded and you get have an unmo- unmanned uh, aircraft slash drone slash whatever that will deliver that to an outpost uh, uh, warehouse or place on the outskirts of a city. Um, yeah, I see that happening. I do see that happening because I, I think that's. That's a lot different than flying passengers in an urban environment, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can literally set up an infrastructure that has a warehouse, uh, you know, an aircraft flies into an airport, it unloads and loads it up into one of these caravans or an EV toll, whatever vehicle you have, even a smaller drone, and it it autonomously flies that cargo out to a warehouse or to a point that allows for distribution by electrical vehicle trucks, for example. You can mm-hmm. see that infrastructure. I don't think we're that far away from that. I think 10 years, we're in that ballpark yeah. because the technology is moving so quickly in terms of, you know, we're learning how to deliver, you know, materials via drones, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be medical supplies or or small freight. We, we've got an electric vehicle ground system coming into place with electric vehicle truck deliveries. And now all I need to do is get from the airport out to a distribution point where it can be loaded and i think mm-hmm. that's being proven today yeah look the difference being you know like if 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 the world you know is, is not comfortable with that happening at the dfw or love airport mm-hmm. or love field you, you put a you put a rural airfield airfield with some distribution out in weatherford sure. and you know there's your mm-hmm. new you know there's your new or well weatherford's down you know fort worth yeah. now so but you yeah. know go a little further out but you know you, you the bottom <laughs> so line is you got five thousand <laughs> you got five thousand airports to work from in the united states yeah. no no I, I agree i'm sure you figure, you figure it all out yeah and i know and i think that's the advantage we have over a lot of other countries in the world is we have a robust uh airport system i mean we have a robust rural airport system and and you know, we fight for that for our, for our uh, you know pilots to have the ability to fly, and and you know we're we're real unique in that way. I mean, if you really think about it, those airports that are sitting on the outskirts of cities or rural airports, or in some of them aren't so rural. You know, I look at I always look at Albuquerque, a double eagle airport out there. You go to double eagle airport, it sits up on the plateau. It feels like it's way out there, but it is literally 15 minutes from you know mm-hmm. driving from the Albuquerque International Airport, and you could fly unmanned vehicles into that type of scenario and use it and build a distribution place out there and they're just it's so unique what we have from an ABH system EAA or gamma or all these other organizations that fight for the airport infrastructure 
advantage for us in this new technology, in my view. Yep, I got it. So what yeah, what products do you guys yeah at Arrow? What what are you trying to bring to the market? What are you bringing to the market in the next couple of years? And how do you how do you see them you know, fitting into the to the infrastructure? I mean, obviously, you have, you you've taken you know, some small companies, you're putting them together, and what do you you know where are you going to generate some revenue from that? So we you know so we uh, so I'm going to start with the easier part is the training part. So we have quite a bit of uh, we're part of uh, IDIQ contracts to provide close air support and uh and uh adversary air training that's a nice flow of revenue it's a very technical and very place there's about five or six companies that have the ability to bid on those and we have a really nice capabilities in that area that's going to produce nice revenues for years to come uh introducing new aircraft as we do as well as the electronics and avionics that goes into that and then on the pilot training side you know we have interest in acquiring flight schools and and uh, providing training relationships with airlines and doing the things that we need to do to train to train pilots. And so that's that while it sounds more, you know, uh, legacy aerospace company, it allows us to then do eVTOL training. So, you know, as time goes on, we'll do some training there. From a product standpoint, you know, we look at uh, our electric air mobility division, which is John Air Mobility. Um, that eVTOL is a gyrocopter type design has a lot of safety enhancements, will provide uh, better performance and range than maybe some of the other EV tolls that are out there. And we'll certify that under a part 29 uh, environment so we don't have to do special conditions and stuff like that. excited about that product line. With that will come, you know, Aspen's uh, cockpit, which will be certainly different than the cockpit that you see today in general aviation in terms of screen size and capabilities. And, um, and that will create a whole new product line for us as we take that back into general aviation. and. Although we've not formally announced that, it's you know it's you can see it in the John materials that we'll be doing that, and so that'll create that'll spin off a whole bunch of new products back into the market space around displays and other sensors and capabilities. That that will again in the next coming years as we're developing that will spawn products into that market space as well. On the drone side, we have some very interesting drones. We have uh, a GPS denied service uh, drones that can actually fly without GPS, map out a building, fly down a pipeline without the use of GPS by using other sensors. Have, um, in Europe, we own a company called Skywatch, which has the RQ-35 uh, drone, which is now operational in Europe, Ukraine. It's a surveillance drone and the ability to bring that into the United States and other places and then spinoffs from those types of designs create all kinds of opportunities for uh, specific drone uh, things. Um, we have this thing called Aerolink, which is what we've been talking about a little bit um, in terms of integrating ground-based and satellite-based uh, communications or connectivity to allow drones to fly in corridors. Um, and so that's where you'll see our products and services coming out of Aero over the next couple, three, four, five, eight years. All that technology developed in each one of the visual spin products off in, in other markets in terms of you know, sensors and capabilities and services. So we have a lot on the table right now, and we have a lot going on right now. Um, we're generating revenue, which is a little bit different than the EV toll companies that are out there now, mm -hmm. which reduces risk and, you know, investments and all the investors and financial people like to see lower risk, especially in these markets. And we think we're positioned well in that regard. That's great. Yeah, I got to think your phone's ringing off the hook with uh, with, with everything happening in Europe right now. You guys are probably answering more inquiries than, uh, than you care to right now. 
Yeah, we we are, and uh, you know, it's uh, you know, our operations in Europe. Skywatch is a great, great company, and and uh, great people over there, and they have a lot of good footprint. But yeah, a lot of people are in the hard part, focused on your strategies and not get distracted by the next new shiny object type thing, which then can divert your strategies away from things you want to do. So you've got your gyrocopter with John. How do you, how do you see, I mean, I'm kind of scratching my head on this and maybe I'm just a little old school. How do you see people using EV tall? I mean, do you see an EV tall in every driveway? I think that's expensive. Or do um, you, do you see a, do you see a fleet of them where people are, you know, or is it is it yet to be seen? I mean, it's, maybe it's just so far down the road. But what's you know between Archer and y'all and and everybody and John? Yeah, you know, how do you see, what do you think the real vision is? Yeah, you know, with uh, with EV tall for Bob. Yeah, I mean, I can't I I can't speak for the other companies because they have their their uh, views of things. But our view is is that EV tolls will be a method of 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 uh, of transportation to. Uh, to better integrate in with infrastructure that you have uh, today. So um, we see a lot of creation uh, of people from inner cities to airports or to other transportation, um, whatever those might look like, um, and transitioning across cities from points to point that allow for uh, the efficient movement of people depending on the application of the city. You know, when you look at a city like Phoenix, which is really spread out mm-hmm. and uh, has really no ground infrastructure, has a few of the uh, rail, but not much. Getting across town from one place to the other, hour, hour and a half in traffic where you can get an EV toll and go across town in 15 minutes. Or L.A. to or LA. Orange County. LA, would be LA Van Nuys to Orange County. You know, yeah, make, exactly. that, make that drive on Friday afternoon. Exactly. So you have that. And then... Um, so you have that efficiency and you also, the, you know, the John Air mobility, like the other EV, many other retail capabilities, in particular, John Air is designed in such that it can take a cargo pallet. So making it compatible with what you see in the, in the airline world. So you have efficient uh, transfer of, uh, of cargo. I think you're going to see that actually done a lot more early on than the people moving as people become comfortable with, uh, Hopping into one of these and 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 using it across city, but I think that's where you see uh, where I see the uh, the vision of that going in terms of its usage. Our particular item, I mean, we we have a gyrocopter based technology called slow rotor technology, which we have patents for. Uh, you know, combined with electric uh, horizontal transport and across the inherent safety of a gyrocopter in terms of loss of propulsion or things like that, being able to to glide in effect like a Cessna 172 yeah. to, to a landing spot where others are choosing the airport, you know, using the parachute method, which in an urban area, you pop a parachute, uh, you're not yeah, sure. Yeah, you never, yeah, I like, know. It's all bad. It's, it's, it's all bad. It's not going to take, take a mis, uh, a miscalculation of a pair uh, of a parachute landing on something that's not good. That's going to, that's going to clearly upset that market and going to have to create all kinds of, of, uh, of safety issues. So, we believe we have a safer platform. We believe we have a more efficient platform than the gyrocopter. Uh, we believe we have a longer range, higher speed platform. Mm-hmm. Of course, everybody believes that, but we we feel pretty strongly our platform is quite unique. Well, the slow I, the slow rotor, yeah, that 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 answers a lot of the noise issues or the correct. The, That's the a big question as well. Know, it's a big thing. Yeah, it, it's a huge thing, and especially uh, you know, and and the the electric motors and the and 
So a lot of our competitors have done a lot of really good work on, on noise and noise has to be solved if you're going to fly in an urban environment. It just has to be solved. You can't have, mm -hmm. you know, your, these blades beating the crap out of the air and making all that noise for the people below you. You think you're going to be being attacked by, you know, Apaches or something like that. You can't have that. So, what about payload? What kind of payload? I mean, um, is, so, is this something that commercial you know, distribution center can send, uh, you know, 4,000 pounds of payload to, uh, to a grocery store? I think you're seeing that kind of uh, capabilities. You know, we haven't, you know, everybody, I think you're going to see what I, what I'm, this is my prediction. I think you're going to see, we're going to try to load it up at the weight, but I think it's going to be more about efficiency of transfer. If you can move things at a low cost, um, at a fairly integrated manner, so you don't have a lot of time on the ground to transfer uh, materials and stuff like that, it almost doesn't, it, it starts to not make as much difference. How much you're doing is just how much you can move in that period of time. Um, because electric mobility is, you know, not burning gas. You don't have that stuff. Then you have to, you have to deal with the, the charging of the batteries and, and how you interchange batteries. And so I, I look at it as speed of transfer as opposed to how much you can carry in one flight. But yeah, we'll be carrying those kinds of weights. Yeah, for uh, to start. But I think you got to have an integrated way to be able to do it quickly. What about does it does this totally does you know, does everything you know, do you see where the turbine engine the small turbine engines are are gone the small turbines and pistons are totally gone I mean is it um, is I that the is yeah. that the real reality or is it a little I don't bit think so Craig I, I think you got to have I mean there's so many older aircraft out there um, I don't see uh, I'm, I may not know enough about the technology I don't see us you know a guy having a Bonanza starting to put an electric engine on his Bonanza for example okay. I just don't see that. Um, I mean, it will happen. There will be places where that will happen, but it'll be fairly expensive. But I think what you're going to see more often in new aircraft, you're going to see electric motors put into them and make them more efficient. And the big issue there is the trade-off in a small aircraft. It's the weight of the batteries versus the power and the range. We aren't mm -hmm. quite there yet in the battery world, but we're not far away from what I can tell and see. You know, Maybe five, 10 years out, we might have that type of energy producing um, cell you know, now you're seeing the hydrogen, you know, um, hybrid type things, what Zero and a couple mm -hmm. other people are doing. That might be the interim technology to, to the electrical motored type thing. Um, there's challenges with that, of course, delivery of hydrogen, all that stuff that goes along. But some of the stuff that, that people like that are working on, you know, might be for aircraft transitioning and EV tolls might be the, uh, the, uh, the electric propulsion area, and then they start to merge together. So. Uh, but I don't see in my time engine piston or piston engines or turbine engines going away anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, it's well, look, it's a transition, and it's yeah. You know, there's a lot of technology. Yeah, you know, the nice thing, the fun thing is, is yeah, you know, look, 30 years ago, nobody ever saw the iPhone coming either. Now oh, got yeah. one, and you don't know what to do with it. So we don't know. We don't know what 30 years is going to look like. Right. From now, and I think that's kind of what 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 you have your doubters and I'm never an early adopter of technology, but yeah. I look at yeah. it and I say, you know, it is exciting. It's fun to talk about because, you know, nobody really knows for sure. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody's got opinions and and you see the technology, but it's fun to be part of it and fun to talk about it. Yep. So you guys are, you're, 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 you're merging some companies now you've merged the companies. Now you're, you're, you're looking to IPO sometime at the, towards the, the latter part of the year. Yeah, so we are we uh, we have announced and uh, publicly announced that we're in a DSPAC situation with a SPAC called Colonel. 
you know, finding the right partners is important when you do these sorts of things. We found what we believe to be a fantastic that's run by a great group of people with some good knowledge of, of our technologies. And they're that, and that's what you need to do. In order to do something like that, you got to have the right partners. And we think we do. And uh, and even in these tough markets, if you have the right partner, make something happen. Look, times are good and times are not so good, right? But the not so good <laughs> times always turn to good. And the yeah. not, you know, it's, it's, it's a cycle. Yeah. Um, Last question. I'll let you. My my question for this this and maybe you you don't want to answer it because it, it may get into some forward looking you know thoughts or something. But you know, I look at Bombardier, I look at Gulfstream or General Dynamics, I look at Textron. Obviously, Textron just uh, made a big purchase over in Europe on the on the electric side of the house. But do you think they're just sitting back and letting the technology? You know, letting some of the smaller players who are a little bit more nimble develop the technology, and then they then they come in and start to buy it. Or do you think that they want to do their own thing? And yeah, you know, I mean, I, eventually they're going to have to play. Yeah. Um, as a technology, yeah. how do you think? What do you think their That's thought a tough question? Are? What I know, having been in the aerospace for forty years, is that never underestimate these companies yeah. because they have got powerful uh, resources. And and again, it comes down they got some really smart people. Yeah. So I would never underestimate their capabilities to do things on their own. I think you're going to see it a mixture of both. You'll see people doing a bunch of organic stuff and, and acquiring companies or acquiring technologies to supplement them. But mm -hmm. I don't think any of those companies you mentioned are ever going to uh, ever going to let go of their uh, leadership in these technologies. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. They just, they always come out of the blue and they come up with something. When you just, yep. any of those companies you named, uh, have always done that and have a history of doing it. And the reason they do it is because they got smart people and they got yeah. the resources to support those smart people. So they're going to do that. Will they acquire technologies and companies? Certainly that's part of the deal. You can you can do that or somebody comes up with an innovative idea and you take that idea and you exploit it in, your, in, in, the, in a larger company. That's going to happen. But I still think those companies that you mentioned have formidable uh, resources they will develop things on their own. And that's what's going to make this fun because it's going to be a combination yeah. of smaller companies, mid-sized companies, and these large companies merging and organic growing in an exciting time in our market space. I love what you guys are doing. I mean, you just kind of, you, you know, it's 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 the future. I mean, it's, yeah. it's the future. We, we love being part of it. It's fun. It's fun. So Aero is, is spelled A-I-R-O. Correct. And uh, how, do people, how do people find you, John? So our website is theaerogroup.com. Um, you can find us on there. That's the best place to go in terms of getting all the news, as well as all the connections to our individual products and technologies and theaerogroup.com. Yeah, I'll put that up in the show. I'll put that up in the show notes too. Make sure everybody right. can uh, can find you guys. But I, I really thank you for coming on today. It's exciting no, it's to see what Craig, you guys I are really doing. Enjoyed it. This is it's fun stuff to talk about, and you know, nobody nobody's got the, the crystal ball, but it sure is a fun place to be. And I'll look. I'll look forward to having you back on at the end of the year, and we'll talk about the progress. Yeah, you know, from the from the IPO standpoint, and where you go from there. Okay, thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. And again, it's a pleasure meeting you. Thanks, John. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pickett.